Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Lang the Points, a sports betting podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. Uh, my name is Matt Lamarca. You can find me over at Fantasy Labs and the Action Network, and I'm also on Twitter at Matt Lamarca. Uh, I'm joined today by my co-host Kyle Dvorak, who you can find on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. Uh, Kyle, we were just talking a little bit about uh, you know preseason NFL. Uh, I couldn't care less. You seem a little bit more interested than I am. Uh, anyway. How's everything going? It's going well. I think uh, like on this podcast, you might not hear us reference how much preseason matters once at all. You won't hear us going, oh, well, you know, so-and-so looked good in preseason. Uh, dude, Giants are balling out this preseason against four stringers. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to hear much of that, but I do think it's fun uh, fun to maybe try and exploit some edges, uh, both in DFS, just uh, as season long as well, and give you a chance to look at players. But in terms of how this will actually affect the uh, the regular season and a broad wins losses total, which teams are going to be successful, I, there may be like no predictive power. I actually think I looked at this. Uh, I was reading about this a few uh, whew, a few years ago now when I started looking at how much preseason matters and like the predictiveness of any stat in preseason to regular season is like next to nothing, if not nothing. Makes sense to me. I mean, it's it's. I guess you could you could say week three because most of the starters are going to play at least a half. But uh, you know, other than that, it's like who has the best practice squad guys on their team. That's really what early preseason yeah. is. Yeah, and even if you think about just like what is one half of a game where you're not getting your full starters, even in week three, if someone has a tight hammy, they're not playing. So I'm sure. You'll see some of you'll see a decent amount of the starters, but that's still not what it's going to look like come week one. So you're getting a half of 75 percent of what you think you might see in week one. Uh, doesn't include the fact that you could have injuries by week one. Doesn't include the fact that uh, it's such an incredibly small sample to begin. Like one game, one season is a small sample. Yeah. What do you think a half of 75 percent of a real football game is going to be? It's like it's nothing. It really honestly does not matter at all. It's fun. If you if you can't get enough football, but if you can hold off, you'll I promise there will be good football at week one. Uh, well, I hope so. I, I hope you're right on that. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to remind you all about the Rotoviz Patreonship. Uh, Rotoviz Patron is back for a second season, and it's better than ever. Uh, patronships start at just six dollars per month. They offer exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel, where you can ask questions to guys like Kyle. Gain uh, league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patrons also get first dibs on listener league spots, which are filling up. I know I'm personally going to be in at least one, probably multiple. Uh, and in the $9 patron tier, you also get some sweet Rotoviz Radio merch. Uh, I know me and Kyle both have some merch, and it is high-quality stuff. Uh, become a Rotoviz Radio patron today. Join an exclusive community of listeners. Access premium content. And do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to pr- produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. Uh, that's patreon.com slash rotovizradio. Also, if you're not a Rotoviz subscriber, 
Sign up through the podcast, get yourself a 10% discount on a subscription. Uh, fantasy season right around the corner. I mean, August is draft month, people. If you're not subscribed now, you need to get on it as soon as possible. Uh, a Rotoviz subscription gives you access to all of the RV content and tools. Just make sure to sign up at rotoviz.com slash podcast for that 10% discount. Yeah, right. I think the, uh, the the Slack is an underrated aspect of that. I was I've been in the Slack a few times. I check it all the time. Just uh, I, I usually just read. I mean, it's like reading like pretty solid articles. You just get like you get the awesome writers of Rotoviz just giving like very shortened versions of their takes, still backed by all the data. It's it's pretty awesome. My only concern is that like maybe the listeners are just like significantly smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah, we have the sharpest listeners. I'll say that to the to the day I die. Rotoviz has some of the sharpest listeners. But if you want to get in the Slack, just at me and I'll answer any questions you have about. Uh, about betting or, or anything really. I know if you're listening to this show, that's probably what you're interested in. But yeah, just uh, hop in the Slack and, and start a, start the conversation with us. We love getting in there. I can confirm 100%. Uh, not only is it, a, is it a sharp Slack, it is quite possibly the most active Slack I've ever been a part of. Like, I literally couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> and now that I'm at Action Network, I, uh, I'm not in there very often, but it is just like nonstop takes, analysis, whatever you're looking for, I guarantee you somebody is talking about it in the Slack channel. So Yeah, that, that's why I say at me because there is so much going on there in there that there's a good chance I miss it unless you you directly contact me. But if you do, uh, I'm sure we'll have a good conversation. But with that, with that being said, let's get into it. We have the LA Rams here as our first team. We are now breaking down, what is this, NFC West? NFC and, West. Uh, NFC West, and we'll start off with... Uh, I would assume what you'll call the best team in the NFC West at 10 and a half wins. The over is at plus 125. The under is at minus 150. Uh, this is a Rams team that's really, I mean, it's hard not to see them as like the best in the NFC period. I think you and I have them 1-2 or 2-1, depending on who you ask. Uh, maybe the Eagles make a push in there, but really they're one of the top teams in the NFL. Is that enough for you to get over 10 and a half? So... I'm a little bit concerned about the Rams, not overly, because I do think that just having an elite head coach in Sean McVay is enough to make them a yearly contender. Um, they are coming off a Super Bowl loss, but that shouldn't be a huge issue. I, I was personally surprised nine of the past 10 Super Bowl losers have won double-digit games the following season. So it seems like that Super Bowl hangover concern, you know, I know in the past, uh, teams that lost the postseason struggled to make the playoffs the following year, but that doesn't appear to really hold true, at least recently. Um, but still, some concerns that I have, what are they going to get from Todd Gurley this year? Uh, they're paying him a tremendous amount of money, and he was you know, just flat out ineffective down the stretch last season. He was dealing with injuries. It's fair to question how much of that is going to carry over to this year. And if he's not at full strength, can Daryl Henderson pick up the slack? You know, C.J. Anderson was very good for them last year, but C.J. Anderson, in my opinion, elite running back. <laughs> um, We're not doing this again. Okay, I'll leave that there. Uh, Daryl Henderson, a, a lot of promise as a rookie, but he's a rookie. He's an unknown. You know, can can he carry the load if, if Todd Gurley is a shell of himself again? Uh, concern number two. Can they continue to pull out close games? 6-1 and one last year in one-score games, 4-0 and oh in games decided by a field goal or less. 
So that that obviously is a really, really good record in those types of games. You would expect it to be closer to like 50%. Uh, you know, the Rams being an elite team are probably expected to be a little bit better than 50% in that department, but I don't think anyone will, should expect you to go 4-0 and in games that are a field goal or less. Um, so if they regress a bit in that department, will that show up in their overall record? You know, it's a real question I have. The Rams were good last year, but they weren't exactly as dominant, I think, as people remember. They had a stretch during the middle of the season where they were like 1-5, maybe even 1-6 against the spread. So, like, this wasn't a team that was just continuously blowing teams out. Uh, third concern, will they continue to get elite health? Uh, they were fourth in missed games last season and first in missed games two seasons ago. So... All of those concerns have me a little bit skeptical about the Rams this year. Uh, I'm I'm staying away from their over-under because I do think that they're, you know, like a 10-11 win team. But I have no interest in paying the inflated premiums for them on either winning the division, winning the NFC, or winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty sharp take. I just think this is the, the classic buying high if you want to get in on them now. And for me, that your, your chance to buy for this team has been the past two years right now, 10 and a half wins. I, I, I would, for me, it's, I think the concerns you've raised are just enough where there's a lot of ways they can hit the under. They can still be a great team. 10 wins will get them into the playoffs pretty. I mean, hundred percent, almost hundred percent of the time they can still be a really good team and just like lose a few of those edges. One for me was offensive line. They've lost two starters from last year. And this is an offensive line that may be one of the best in the league, or at least was, uh, they both lost Roger Saffold at guard and, uh, who else did they lose? They lost, uh, John Sullivan at their center. And that's, uh, especially center is something I think offensive line continuity goes underrated. Now they're losing two of their elite offensive line or two of the parts of their elite offensive line unit. That's just one more concern I have with them. I think something maybe you could call a positive. I mean, you can call it a positive was they have a top 10 strength of schedule based on opponent, uh, expected wins just on the Vegas totals. But for me, that doesn't hold as much water because I see uh, I think the Seahawks total is one coming up that's maybe a little low. And then the Cardinals, who we'll talk about, that's one that is comically low to me. So I think that might actually be sort of a red herring, a a bit of a deceptive data point used in favor of the Rams, where I think it's probably league average to, you know, hovering right around 16 in terms of strength of schedule. So uh, uh, for me, just the amount of ways that say say the Cardinals really do pop off and and. Uh, the the Niners, for example, are another team who people are like dark horse Super Bowl contenders. If both of those things happen where just these teams improve within their division, San Francisco and Arizona, uh, say they go two and two against those teams, say they go three and three in division, that pretty much is, is, is a loss on your 10 right there. It's going to be really hard if they go three and three, which is totally possible because they might be in the best division. That's one way for, for them to hit the under on 10 and a half, the offensive line, uh, the health, which is a major concern, or at least the uh, the regression coming with their health. The fact that you just can't be as healthy as they have been. All of these ways are, all these things are ways you can hit the under, like just different outs. So for that reason, it's either, if you make me choose, I'll take the under 10 times out of 10. I just think that's the the smarter play. But given that it looks like it's been hit so hard already, it's at minus 150. I just, I don't want to pay the juice. I'll find different ways to capitalize on this team. Yeah. And the scariest part for me, if you're taking the under, and I agree with you, if I was to pick a side, it would be the under. I just really dislike fading teams where they're going to be good offensively and they're paying their quarterback such a minimal salary. You know, they're only paying 
uh, the 24th highest amount to quarterback, which has allowed them to spend the eighth most money on their defense. So, you know, even if uh, I personally am still not sold on Jared Goff, but just playing in that Sean McVay offense with those weapons, like they should be above average on that side of the ball. I mean, they've been elite in the past, so it wouldn't be, you know, above average would, would not be a stretch to say. And then defensively, just with all the talent that they have, they should be good there too. So, um, you know, when this team finally does have to pay Jared Goff big money, that's when I think the time to full fade this team is. But right now, they should continue to be very competitive. Um, it's just whether or not you think they're going to be as dominant as they've been the past two years. Yeah, I think uh, you touched on this, and I agreed with you that a uh, division winner minus one ninety five. It's just I do think the Rams are the best team in this division as of right now, and I think they're a top three team in the NFC and like top five in the league. You're just completely paying for that. Like you are valuing them at that when you buy the over. And then you have to factor in the juice. I just don't think there's an edge. I think all these bets are pretty well priced, but that doesn't factor in that you have to pay the juice. You know, you got you to pay the bookie man. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not willing to do that because I don't think there's an edge in betting them. And in fact, one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I was looking up as you were talking about them, their Pythagorean wins. I was just curious. I didn't have any preconceived notion of this. Of course, like the third thing that comes up on Google, it's a road of his article by Hassan Rahim, who uh, is uh, maybe the most active guy in the Slack. But uh, the Rams were actually, let's see. Fifth in wins over expectation, meaning that just like you said, they played a ton of close games. When you look at their points for versus points against, you would say like, oh, they were a pretty good team. They weren't 13 and three, given how if you're 13 and three, you should have crushed a ton of teams. You should not be playing that many close games. So they were fifth in uh, outplacing their scored for versus scored against. I think there's just so many reasons to either just fade the ramp, fade betting on them. Or if, if, you know, someone at work wants to put money on it, no juice. Go ahead and take the under for sure. Agreed. Um, yeah, I think we're we're fading all of their Super Bowl winner. Not that it's bad at ten to one. I just not willing to pay pay the juice man. Uh, I think we're safe to move on to Seattle. Maybe a more interesting team. Eight and a half wins. The over is at minus one thirty five. The under at plus one fifteen. Are you looking to get in with the public on the over? There's a little bit of juice on that. What's your thoughts? I am not uh, a big fan of Seattle. Which really hurts me to say because I love Russell Wilson. Like, I may be the biggest Russell Wilson stan on the planet. Uh, I'm sure there are some people who would like to fight me about that take, but just ask Anthony, who is the previous host of this show, like, I go to war over Russell Wilson. Uh, the problem is that their offense is has to be the worst coach unit in the league. I mean, just look at what they did last year. They ran the ball 60% on first downs. They were the only team in the league last year to pass at less than a 45% rate on early downs in general. And it's just, that's just not a good strategy for the modern NFL. Now, Wilson is able to overcome some of that because he's been, you know, arguably the most efficient player in the league over the past two years. But can he continue to do that on such a small workload? I mean, it's a lot to ask. Uh, the, the bad thing about Seattle is that they went 10 and 6 playing this awful style of football. So there's really no incentive for them to change this season. I mean, if you look at what they did against the Cowboys in the player, in the playoffs, they were an absolute disaster. Uh, they averaged two yards per carry, uh, in the first half on first down last year, but yet they continued to just pound the ball, uh, with, with no success. I don't see any reason why they're going to continue or why they won't continue 
to play that way this season. And I just don't want to back this team with that in mind. So as much as I love Russell Wilson, uh, this is more of a bet just against Brian Schottenheimer and the coaching staff. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, normally, I think uh, when we talked about the Eagles before specifically as a team that uh, basically when you have a head coach and an organization set up for success, uh, I mean, success as defined by us is, is you know, looking at analytics uh for the Eagles, for instance, we're a big fourth down team, big uh, go for two team. When you are doing things the right way, I want to bet on you. The Rams were a detour from that just because that's all priced in. Now we're back to betting against, on the other hand, really poorly run organizations. I couldn't agree with you more. And I just want to touch on Russell Wilson, who, like you said, I mean, it's he has a good argument if there wasn't a guy called Patrick Mahomes of being the best quarterback in the league, especially last year. Last year, I... If you told me on a per-play basis you'd rather have Russell Wilson, I don't know if I could argue against you. Russell Wilson's touchdown percentage, 8.2. His career average was 6. His interception percentage, 1.6, was actually below his career average. Uh, Adjusted yards per attempt, 9.0. I mean, the numbers he was putting up were unreal. And I do think he will continue to be one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. But will he be the most by leaps and bounds? Math says no. Regression says it is very unlikely. So if you factor in that uh, that he just – say he goes back to his his career average of 6% touchdown rate, which is still incredible. The, the league average usually hovers somewhere high fours. So he will still throw more touchdowns and more yards per attempt than most quarterbacks in the league. But they're going to keep running the ball. You're going to see his efficiency come down while his attempts are maybe a little likely to go up. But I think like you said, given that they had such success – on the rushing attack or uh, like they had success using this rushing first attack, even though it's hard to actually attribute their success to that. I think they're going to stick with it and it's going to bite them halfway through the season. We'll look at them. They'll have some of the league leading rushers, Chris Carson and, and Rashad Penny could both be balling out and we'll be like, well, oh, how are they, you know, three and five? I, I think it's going to be pretty simple. It's Brian Schottenheimer is actively sabotaging Russell Wilson. It's, it's a travesty. The only teams that passed the ball less than Seattle last year, Jaguars with Blake Bortles. I'm sorry, they passed. They passed more. <laughs> the Jaguars. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I the, think didn't yeah, they the pass Jags, the least? The Jags, the Bills, and the Titans were the only teams that were in the same ballpark as Seattle, and their quarterbacks are Blake Bortles, Josh Allen, and some hybrid combination of Marcus Mariota and Blink Gabbard. Like, it's inexcusable to have Russell Wilson and even, and let alone be less, but even be in the same ballpark as those teams. So, uh, just, just thinking about this team angers me beyond, like, reasonable levels. Uh, they also lost Doug Baldwin, who wasn't great last year, but I still think going back to that continuity thing you mentioned, like, him and Wilson just had a, had a comfort with each other they had you know, that sense of uh, reliability. Now we're asking a lot out of Tyler Lockett, who was awesome last year. Don't get me wrong. Love Tyler Lockett. But now he's going to have to transition into a higher volume role. You're looking for guys like DK Metcalf and, and David Moore to pick up a bigger share of the passing volume. So yeah, I think it's definitely reasonable that Wilson could lose some efficiency. And if he does, this defense is not going to be able to make up for it. Um, Seattle's paying their defense dead last in the league. No one's spending less money on their defense outside of Bobby Wagner. I don't feel like they have, you know, a single real blue chipper, you know, Ziggy Ansa was a nice addition, but he's not like a game changing defensive lineman. So, 
Uh, yeah, I think that this team, in terms of talent outside of Wilson, not very good, which is why they were a very popular underpick last year. You know, and I think their over under last season was was lower than it is now. So the only thing that's changed was that the Seahawks had success last year. They were bailed out by one of the greatest quarterback seasons we've ever seen. Uh, I think betting on that two years in a row is probably not the sharpest thing to do. All right, I want to play a little game. Last season, uh, Seattle was the only team. Uh, I don't know. I don't believe they ran the fewest pass attempts. It was that they were the uh, lowest team in total percentage of plays that were passes. Yes. They were the only one to go under 50, and they went under by a significant margin. It was like 47.56, something like that. Uh, when was the last time a team went lower than that? Good question. Um, I don't have an answer. It was 2013. I will give you one guess as to which team it was. Buffalo Bills. No, it's the Seattle Seahawks. The year uh, before that, it was the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're consistently, this is like, this is to show you how poorly this organization is run. They just don't know what they have. And they also don't understand how to run in a modern NFL offense. It's uh, it's the under for me. And I'm totally, especially one other thing, uh, given how high I think we're about to be on the Arizona Cardinals, the competition is heating up in this division. Uh, totally, I, I don't like... Uh, I don't like betting the win totals that much. Like we said with the last one, the juice was on the wrong side. This one under eight and a half. I think you factor in that uh, people have been slamming the over. It's at minus 135. I'll take the under because it's a poorly run organization, and that's something you want to bet against. Yep, agreed. All right, let's move on to a team. Uh, I'd also like to take the, the listeners behind the curtain. We have a bunch of notes on our sheet about what we want to talk about. <laughs> the only note for the Seattle Seahawks, Matt's notes. I really hate Brian Schottenheimer, and That's you could it. not summarize you could not summarize this team any better in a, in a betting perspective. San Francisco 49ers, eight wins, juice minus one ten on both sides. Where do you go with this one? Yeah, so I'm pretty high on San Fran. Uh, if you look at them last year, they just had some some brutal luck. Uh, they were the fourth most injured squad, and they had the seventh toughest schedule. So that's a really tough combination to overcome. The biggest injury, obviously, was Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo after week three. No position drives success in the NFL right now, more than the quarterback position. And they went from a guy who was expected to be one of the you know better players in the league to uh, a combination of C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins, and who were fine, but they they were just really really bad in one particular area. Uh, the the 49ers also lost the six most games at the wide receiver position. So it's not particularly surprising that they struggled as much as they did. Um, they were also, despite all of that, pretty good in terms of yardage. They were top 10 in both offensive and defensive early down success rate. Uh, Warren Sharp has done some some really nice stuff with that. And early down success rate is the second most predictive stat in terms of winning football games. And it makes sense if you think about it, right? Like, if you're moving the ball well on first down and second down, putting yourself in third and manageable, or even just avoiding third down altogether, that's a good formula for moving the ball and ultimately scoring points. Uh, unfortunately for San Fran, the most predictive thing in terms of wins and loss is the turnover differential. And that was where San Fran was just awful last season. They had a minus 25 turnover differential. Next worst team was at minus 18. And there were only like a handful of teams in the league that even had 25 turnovers on offense, let alone turnover differential where you're factoring in what the defense does as well. So I think if you add Jimmy Jimmy G back in, 
You get better play at the quarterback position in terms of turnovers. Uh, They still have uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think, is an underrated coach at this point. He hasn't had a lot of team success with the 49ers, but if you look at what he's doing, he's putting his players in the best position to be successful. He's a very analytically driven coach, which we've kind of just keep harping on how much we like that. Um, He was a, a big proponent of two tight end sets last year, which made sense given all of his injuries at the wide receiver position and the fact that George Kittle was a monster. Uh, And then if you look at the defensive side of the ball, I think that they have the potential to be really improved there. They added D4, drafted Nick Bosa, so they could uh, be one of the better pass rushing teams in the league this season. Also added Quan Alexander to play linebacker. Uh, Secondaries definitely still has some holes, but if they can get some pressure on the front seven, that can overcome some of those uh, weaknesses on the back end. Uh, And I think that this is a prime team for some positive regression this year. Is it a team that's going to win over eight games is the question. I mean, this is a pretty aggressive over under considering what we saw from them last season. But I'm going to I'm going to go out there and say that this is a team that can win nine, maybe even double digit games uh, as long as they get some better health this year. So I like San Fran. I'll take them uh, to go over this total. Uh, I'm not sure that they are necessarily going to contend yet but I do think that to make the playoffs you can get that at plus 210 right now I think that that is a pretty tasty wager yeah for me my biggest concern is essentially that they weren't they were their their quarterback play was really very much the same with and without Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo the one thing he did uh successful over his uh his contemporaries Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard was throw touchdowns, but in terms of uh, adjusted yards per attempt, Nick uh, C.J. Beathard not not that great, honestly. But Nick Mullins in eight games had a uh, 7.6 adjusted yards per attempt, which factors in things like touchdowns and interceptions, which was just behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He also uh, threw basically the same interception rate. He was throwing touchdowns at a slightly less rate, but uh, you know, for me, and, and his yards per attempt were actually a little higher. For me, it concerns me that people say they are going to make leaps and bounds with Jimmy Garoppolo when they were essentially a, a pretty high functioning passing offense under uh, not under CJ Beathard so much let's throw those games out but under Nick Mullins I think they were basically what we could expect from Jimmy Garoppolo because their stats were so similar and Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy we know like maybe slightly more about than we do like than we do Nick Mullins he's played 10 games to Nick Mullins eight I'm not sure how confident we can be that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to really, I don't want to say turn this team around because it's not like their offense was horrible last year, but he's going to make a a big impact in terms of what he adds on top of what Nick Mullins gave him last year. Is he a better quarterback than Nick Mullins? I would bet on it for sure. But Nick Mullins was hot last year, and Nick Mullins hot is probably equal to Jimmy Garoppolo. So for me, that's the one. (laughs) Hey, they they were very strikingly similar last year. Do I think their averages are not that close? No, I'm taking Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't don't uh don't get it twisted. But if if any quarterback, not Nick Mullins, if any quarterback rides extremely hot for 8 games, they're going to make your offense good even if they're not that good of a quarterback. So you were either expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be significantly better than uh, Nick Mullins was last year, which was very good. Or you just expect that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is just like a, is going to ride hot. He's basically somewhat better and then rides hot. Maybe you believe that's because of the offense with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you think it's because George Kittle is that good. But whatever your reason, you have to find a reason to say Jimmy Garoppolo will be better than the stats Nick Mullins put up. Whether Nick Mullins is a good quarterback or not, for me, it doesn't matter because last year he played like it. So this offense for eight games had a 
very good quarterback in terms of the stats he was putting up. And his efficiency is really what's most important to me. I don't care if he's like Blake Bortles garbage time stats, but he was efficient as a quarterback. So you really have to have a lot of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, for that reason, I'll take the under. And I think that for me, I think eight's a good line. I think I'll probably end up pushing on this one. But uh, I'll take the under. And not only that, but I think this might be the best division in the league. It, it's up there. So for me, uh, I'll take the under here and I don't feel great about it. Yeah. All right. So uh, I don't want to I don't want to fight you too hard on this, but Garoppolo had one really bad game last year, week one against Minnesota, one touchdown and three picks. But then against Detroit and against KC, he was four touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a, a adjusted yards per attempt of at least 9.4 in both games. Uh, passer rating for whatever that's worth of at least 114 in both games. Like, I think the fact that he only played three games is what's really driving down some of his numbers for last season. Like, I I can't believe that I even have to make the argument that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to provide them better production at the quarterback position than than Nick Mullins did last year. Uh, let alone look at what he did to end out the 2017 season with the 49ers when he was basically just like a one-man wrecking crew. So I get it. I get like the skepticism with an eight-win total for a team that won six games last year. But I just think that the the whole Nick Mullins thing has gotten way out of proportion. Like, he's not that good. He turned the ball over a ton. Jimmy Garoppolo should be much better in that department. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm bullish on the 49ers. I don't want to make the same arguments that I've already made. But I'm fine with uh, being on the different side of you on this one. Like, I'm I'm fine with that. And I'll be, uh, I, I'm willing to take some action if you want to give it to me. Uh, we will have to work this out. Uh, we will work this out uh, after the podcast, and I will come back to this show next week with an update. Uh, I mean, shit, let's just get rid of the book. We got you. Put a, put a, put a little 20 on it? Sure. All right, 20 bucks on this. I get to avoid the juice, but uh, I, I think – I mean, this is a good line, and I'm not like – I'm not strident in this under like I will be strident in about 30 seconds on the Arizona over. Uh, and, I, and I do think uh, maybe the Jimmy Garoppolo last season, or I guess it would be two seasons ago now as we head into the 2019 season, that maybe even is a better argument because we've got to see more of him. So I, I do think uh, you make some sharp points there. And also, if we agreed on everything, like, I would just kick myself off the show. If we wouldn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, it would be a pretty boring show. Just like you could just put on, like, a little, like, fake mustache and glasses and be like, oh, yeah, Matt, I think that too. That's You're the best. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's, it's good to get different opinions. I, I'm certainly all right with disagreeing with you. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. I hope we agree on this one, though, because if we don't, we are going to have problems. Arizona right now sitting at five wins. The overs at minus 20. The under is even Come on, give me give me some love here. It's the over. It's the over. It's the over. I'll I'll let you go first because I can just tell you're you're so excited about them. I mean, I I've like I, I I've done a lot of work for for Rotoviz. I, I you know I've worked for for Labs number like 
every site that values numbers, I, I've probably worked for at least like half of them. Uh, so it kind of, I don't want to run the same laps too much, but the Cardinals getting Cliff Kingsbury and getting Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray essentially had the greatest quarterback, se- single quarterback season in college football ever. And uh, some of the names you see up there, they played at smaller schools, so it's easier to dismiss those. He was playing at a Power 5 school against, against even though it is the the offensive-minded uh, Big 12, it's still a Power 5 school. He's not playing at an FCS level or anything. He was facing real NFL competition, and he had, like, the best adjusted yards per attempt, one of the top, like, quarterback rating seasons in the history of college football. And the tops of those lists are littered with NFL successes. I think the, the biggest one that always sticks out to me is Baker Mayfield. You know, if you don't want to call him an NFL success yet, sure, I get it. He's going to be, though. Uh, we'll look back and, and be like, yeah, it makes sense that when Baker put up two of the top five greatest seasons ever, that he was going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I don't see how Kyler Murray isn't the same, but add incredible like Michael Vick level rushing upside. Uh, I believe he's a thousand yard rusher in college, uh, just his final season alone. I I don't see how that's not uh, like the fact that people question him going into the uh, going into the draft was just mind boggling to me. I think if you want to question him as like one of the best quarterback prospects in the past five years, like I could totally see you thinking Baker is better than him. Um, like Baker, uh, that's about it, honestly. But uh, like, I think he was one of the best quarterback prospects and the numbers completely bear it out in the past five to 10 years. Then the Cliff Kingsbury offense, he doesn't have to reproduce the absolute air raid, like only pass the ball, sort of Mike Leach, le- Mike Leach levels of insanity. He just has to be like above average. Like he just has to be above the NFL's average because the NFL is running like very efficiently. The NFL should be passing an incredibly high amount more. And just because, uh, you know, Cliff isn't going to have Kyler throw 50 times a game, he's going to have Kyler throw more. I believe in terms of uh, raw pass attempts, the uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders were like top five in each of the past six or seven years. They were top five scoring team in each of the past six of the past seven or so years. Uh, when you look at what their offenses did, they were basically one of the best five offenses every single year. They've added weapons around Kyler. And I think the the one thing people always bring up is the is the sacks. But to that because the Arizona offensive line is is pretty garbage and they've made some improvements but they're still going to be bad I get that but also when you look at the level of talent that uh, Cliff was able to recruit to Texas Tech which is to say not very much and the fact that they were bottom of the NCAA in sacks and sack percentage uh, sacks or sack percentage given up by their offensive line so many times means that the scheme he runs and the quarterbacks he's had not all of which were great uh, pair well to the point that I don't think sacks are really going to be a the defining factor that brings this offensive de- this offensive unit down. If anyone can avoid sacks, it's going to be like Kyler, Russell Wilson. Uh, Cam Newton's too big; you can get him from a mile away. But to be fair, uh, you know, just I want a rushing quarterback who is smart. That's who's going to avoid sacks for me, or someone who's going to get rid of the ball fast. This offense could easily have both of those. And then the weapons they added around him. One they've had David Johnson, who a few years ago it was. Whew, been a while. I think it was three seasons ago now. Set the most air yards by a running back in the history of air yards. He was like, we talk about players like James White, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey used as receivers. They kind of are. They're used like half semi quarter Jarvis Landry hybrid receivers. They're more efficient than running the ball. They're not actually as efficient as we see real receivers be. David Johnson broke that mold. And that's that's really what I love. And I think David Johnson might be the best receiving back in the NFL. If we get to see that again, I think there is no spot you can't find on this offense. It's efficient. And yeah, their defense probably isn't going to be that good. Uh, Offense is much more predictive of success. I am so excited. I am crushing over five wins at minus 120. Uh, Did I miss anything? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly hit on a lot. Uh, I agree pretty much wholeheartedly with everything you said. I mean, Murray is, by all definitions, like the perfect quarterback to operate an air raid type of an offense. Um, you know, he's got the quickness. He's got the quick reading ability. Uh, he he can do everything. I I get some people having questions about his long-term durability, but as long as that guy is on the field, he's going to be super productive. I, I really have no qualms saying that. Uh, the offensive line is definitely a bit of a concern, but Kingsbury notoriously gets the ball out of his quarterback's hands quickly, which should help. And part of the reason why... Arizona's line was so bad last year was because they were just getting put into awful situations and more even than the upgrade at quarterback from Rosen to Murray the upgrade at coaching staff is going to be tremendous here if you look at what the Cardinal coaches did last year they had just an awful game plan they ran the ball behind center at more than a 66% clip which was better than double league average uh, makes a lot of sense when you have arguably the most dynamic running back in the league. Uh, De- uh, David Johnson, 1.8 yards per attempt and a 10% success rate when running the ball on first down. And then in second down, Arizona averaged 2.5 yards per pass attempt in second and long situations. So bad running the ball on first down and then really bad throwing it on second down. That put Arizona in just a tremendous amount of third and long situations. It's not shocking that, you know, you take an offensive line that isn't particularly good and you put them in obvious passing situations with a rookie quarterback throwing the ball, like, yeah, you're going to allow a lot of sacks. So it wouldn't shock me if their offensive line finished much better this year just based off of scheme changes. So uh, I agree, this this number is way too low. I don't know how you don't pound it, uh, especially since the juice is only minus 120 on the over. Like, it would not shock me if the Cardinals were a playoff contender this year. It really wouldn't. Uh, Kingsbury, just, I think that the lines between, you know, college football and pro football are kind of blurring. You know, like, we saw Chip Kelly come in, come in and bring that fast-paced offense, but he kind of flamed out. Like, Kingsbury, I think what he's going to bring to the league is more sustainable. Like, the air raid philosophy is you want to just throw the ball unless the defense is daring you to run. And that's basically what all the metrics suggest is the correct way to play football at this point. So if you're only running the ball when you have advantageous situations in the box and you're throwing it otherwise, like that is an analytical person's dream right there. Like if you don't want to back Cliff Kingsbury because he's new to the league, you're basically saying that you hate analytics. So yeah, like over five wins to me is a lock. I could see this team pushing for the playoffs and you're getting tremendous odds for them to make the playoffs at plus 790. Like, I don't know if you're feeling that froggy, uh, Kyle, but like an eight to one payout. I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm not intrigued. I am invested. It's not, it's not like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, oh, that's where some of my like life savings will be okay. because uh, a, a small amount it is a little amount because uh, is plus, it, are they a good bet? Like just, you know, looking at them, are they a playoff caliber team? 
it's tough to say. Talent-wise, uh, their defense probably is going to be pretty bad still. And uh, offensive line is a concern. I don't think it's it's been – I think it's been overblown. But they're not as, as talented as the Rams. They're not uh, – probably not as talented as the, as the Seahawks. Eh, it's like close though. But the fact that they are plus 790. I would take them personally over the 49ers because I don't see the 49ers leapfrogging the Rams. I don't see them beating down Seattle badly. Whereas if this team, basically Arizona's Cardinals range of the Arizona Cardinals range of outcomes are incredibly wide, this could blow up and they could change the way the NFL looks at offenses. That makes them a playoff lock. Uh, I don't see that sort of explosion happening from Seattle or from San Francisco. They could have an LA Rams like explosion from a few years ago. Whereas the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. If they make the playoffs, it's because they were good, well-coached teams with talented quarterbacks, all these things. But it's not because they changed the way the NFL is played. They don't have that uh, like generational sort of team aspect to them in their range of outcomes. The Cardinals really do. So plus 790, I think, is just great value. Do I think they'll make the playoffs? I don't know. But do I think plus 790 is a joke compared to what they really should be? I would put them plus 500, maybe plus 400. Uh, I think plus 790 is, is a great value bet. NFC Championship winner, I don't, I wouldn't take them over the Rams. Like, if I'm saying they're a great value, plus 790 to make the playoffs, 75 to 1 for the NFC Championship is good value. But I don't, I, it's tough to have my money tied up in a bet that I really don't think will happen. And the Super Bowl winner, same thing, plus 110. But if you do want to bet a dark horse NFC Championship or Super Bowl winner, I think this might be some of the best value you can get. Even though I don't think uh, it's great, uh, like, it should be maybe 60 to 1 and plus 100 plus, you know, or uh, 100 to 1, 90 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So do I think these are good bets for like investing your money? No. But are they plus EV lottery tickets? I think they absolutely are. All of them. I think even I think you can go even lower. Like I would personally probably bet them to win the NFC at anything better than 30 to 1. Anything better, anything to win the Super Bowl at better than 50 to 1. Oh, talk that sweet to me. You know I love to hear it. Like, I, you will get no arguments from me. It's just, yeah, it's a bet on analytics. It's a bet on the passing revolution. Uh, I'm in. I'm in on all of it. And, uh, like, to me, five, over five is going to be, like, a substantial, substantial wager for me. Like, yeah, that's actually, that's, like, that's life savings to put in. Yeah. You know, that's, like, like the, the you don't want to, for no reason should you put a, a large amount of your bankroll, whether it be betting or just, like, Sports gambling, including DFS, including season long, you don't want to put a large amount of that bankroll in, in any Super Bowl winner, in any long shot thing, because it's not nice to have your money tied up to such a long shot thing the whole season. Uh, in what I would call maybe the safest win total over or under, I'm totally fine with putting a lot of your funds that uh, you're willing to allocate into over five wins. And I think one last thing before we move on to some interesting props is that when I talk about this uh, this team having this sort of like unparalleled upside, the farther up you go in terms of like make the playoffs, then make the NFC Championship, win the NFC Championship, win the Super Bowl, I think they become a better and better bet than teams like Seattle and teams like San Francisco. Because San Francisco, I think, would I take them to make the playoffs over Arizona? Sure. I think that's a completely fair bet. But do I think in their range of outcomes, is this did they become a team that is better than the Rams, better than the Eagles, better than the, the Saints? No. Do I think that's possible for Arizona plus some weekly variance in a single game? It is more possible for them because I think they have the potential to change the NFL. I think that's all fair. I mean, I like San Francisco, but I hear all of your points. Like, San Francisco is not going to change the game the way that Kingsbury may 
in Arizona. So I buy that argument. And just to hammer this this five win total one more time, like only four teams in the league won less than five games last year. Now, granted, the Cardinals were one of them, but as long as you think this team is not going to be one of the you know four or five worst teams in football, this this bet's going to win or push. You could push at five. Like that's what makes this even more appealing. Is you get the push at five. Do you know how bad you have to be to win less than five games? <laughs> you have to be so so bad. And I just don't see that on this team. I really don't. So like maybe maybe Murray getting hurt would change things, obviously, but like they would still have a coaching staff, I think, that is is capable enough to to not overcome it, but at least keep them in game. So I really like that wager. Uh, and yeah, all, all the, the futures as well. I think it's a great long-term gamble. All right. We've hammered this enough. I think if you were listening to this podcast and you have, you have intent to, to place any money down on our opinions, you know, that Arizona over five is the one let's move on to some more fun things. We've got player props here. First one I have is rookie of the year. There are basically two contenders in this, although I, I didn't put up Debo Samuel. I'll pull him up if you'd like. But right now, I mean, it's it's a fair. People are very interested in him in season long. So, uh, you know, I can understand that if you, especially over DK Metcalf, who I'll start with, uh, 20 to 1 odds to win rookie of the year. I guess first, give me your thoughts. Would you take him or Debo Samuel? Uh, neither. I just, you know, I'm not betting on a wide receiver to win this award. Uh, I'm betting on a quarterback or I'm betting on a running back. Like, they're just going to put up the better counting stats, and that's really what counts in this award. So uh, if I had to pick one, maybe Debo, just because I think he'll have a better, uh, you know, like just in terms of pure number of targets. But, you know, would it shock me if neither of these guys even have like 50 targets this year? No, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I agree. I think that's generally smart. I think, you know, if I agree if you have to pick one. Go Debo because I think he has the higher ceiling on an offense that isn't stuck in like the 1800s. But really, the money here is plus one 175 on Kyler rookie of the year in this division. I think if you if you take Kyler plus 175, that's incredibly plus EV. I would put him. I would almost put him like even odds. I really think it's going to be that big of a discrepancy. One because it's down to quarterback and running back very often. I think Odell Beckham won it, but he's like the one exception in the past few years. It is generally guys like Saquon Barkley or guys like uh, Baker who had a chance. Baker, if he starts the whole season last year, very well could have done it. I like Kyler because I don't think there's a – I mean there's not – there's obviously not a Saquon Barkley level talent. There's not an Ezekiel Elliott level of talent coming in this year. Uh, but I think even if you want to buy into a running back, you just take Kyler at plus 175 and you take Josh Jacobs, who I don't have on here, but I think he's like in the range of 7 or 9 to 1, somewhere eight, right around that ball. To one eight to one. Perfect. I, I nailed it. Uh, so you take those two guys and I would say you have an incredibly high chance of winning. And I think that's incredibly plus EV because on the off chance, Kyler gets hurt or, uh, like we saw with Chip Kelly, he can run an incredible offense, but maybe, maybe Cliff is the same way where he just can't lead a team. He, he's not a good organizer of people as much as he is a great theory crafting offensive mind. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs is pretty much the number two lock. For this, so uh, I, I like taking Kyler at plus one seventy five, and whenever we get on to uh, what is that AFC West, uh, yeah. I think that's like you cover almost all of the bases when you take those two, and there's still a lot of, of money to be made. So uh, plus one seventy five, I assume you like that for Kyler. Passing yards leader is something a little more interesting here. Goff at sixteen to one, Kyler thirty to one, Jimmy G thirty two to one, and then Russell Wilson sixty to one. Uh, I'm sorry, Russell. I'm sorry, Max. I know this must hurt. 
It does. It really does hurt. Uh, can't back Russell Wilson for sure. Uh, I'm also not interested in Goff at 14 to one. Like it's just not enough odds for me. Um, I do think that that offense should obviously be very good, but I'm looking at more of a long shot in this range. So uh, I definitely am somewhat interested by Jimmy G, but you can get Kyler at 50 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook to lead the league in, in passing yards. And at 50 to one, if, if Arizona passes as much as we expect them to, which they have the potential to lead the league in pass attempts, I don't think that that's a huge stretch. Uh, that's just like ridiculous value in my opinion. So, uh, we have him listed as 30 to one on, on the, the sheet right here, but you can get him at 50 to one in certain places. And I am all for that bet. 100%. Uh, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's always important to bring up for more oddball, basically not win totals. And, uh, as you move into these more niche markets of, uh, props, you know, rookie of the year, or even just like player, like I think Kyler as a few weeks ago, uh, this isn't even on the show sheet. I just know this because my life is so involved with Kyler. Like <laughs> we're best friends, but he doesn't know it yet. And I'm so excited for him to learn once I once I post all the screenshots of my winnings. Uh, I'm sure he'll care. Uh, that the uh, the the passing passing yards line for Kyler is right around 3,300. Maybe that's gone up because it should have because it needs to go up because I'm guessing people have slammed it. But given that uh, basically what you get with props is that you have pretty uh, – you're pretty capped on how much you can actually put down, how much action you can get on these because the bookmakers know that their lines aren't that efficient. They're just ways to get you in the book so you can make bad bets. Sure, you win your Kyler prop and then you go and blow it all on, the, on a home team. Don't do that. Just bet your Kyler Murray over – I think it was 3,300. And you're basically getting 75% of quarterbacks who start 14 games, not even full seasons, but 14 games. It, it's three quarters or more. I want to say it's a little more than that are hitting 3,300 yards. Like, that is a bet on him not playing, let's call it, 14 games, 13 games. Uh, and I don't, like, unless you think maybe his running style is going to get him hurt, I think it's a safe bet that quarterbacks on average play, I think it's just over 15 games, you're starting quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how that's not a slam in addition to everything else. So I do like Kyler 50 to 1 for leading and passing yards. And basically anywhere you can find it, just take Kyler's over on uh, his his own over on passing yards. Passing touchdown leader, Goff at 26 to 1. I find this a bit interesting that he is uh, 16 to 1 to get the passing yards title, but 26 to 1 to get the passing TD title. Despite the fact that I think of this offense as, as both a high pro, like, high efficiency yardage and touchdown producing offense. And if you take out uh, some production from Todd Gurley soaking up all the touchdowns, either you're saying Todd Gurley means that much to the offense that they will score less, which I, I'm not going to take that strident stance because it's not um, a good one. So <laughs> instead, I mean, like if you listen to Rotovis, running backs, they don't matter. So uh, the touchdowns have to go somewhere if Todd Gurley isn't playing. It's either on Daryl Henderson, I guess if you like Malcolm Brown, sure. But for me, I think it falls more on Jared Goff. So I would have his passing touchdown leader and passing yards leader flipped. I think 16 to 1 is closer to fair for his touchdown leader odds than 26 to 1. I like this bet much better than Goff at 16 to 1 for yards leader. How do you think, uh, like, do you see that discrepancy? Yeah, I agree. And if you look again, I'm, I'm on the DK Sportsbook right now. He's only 14 to 1 to lead the league in passing touchdowns. So at certain places, you are paying more of a premium on that. So I agree, like that's a great number for Goff because if Gurley is even slightly dinged, it might just be less touchdowns for him and we still expect this offense to be really good. Um, outside of that bet, none of these really jump off the page to me. 
Uh, I, I'm always going to be interested in the Kyler props. Like he's 60 to one to lead the league in passing touchdowns on DraftKings. Uh, I'm always going to be somewhat intrigued by the Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown props and, and yardage props. Um, but I don't think that anybody here is like a pure slam dunk, um, outside of Goff. Like he's my, he's my favorite pick at 26 to one. Yeah. I think 26 to one is, is just strange. It's, it's, it's a bad line. Like I think Russell Wilson completely off the list. Uh, it hurts, but yeah, don't even put him on there. It's just this offense. But, uh, yeah, I think it's not that like. It's golf is just a weird line at plus twenty six to one. You pulled up the the DK sportsbook line. That's a fair line. And if yeah. you're looking only at DK sportsbook, I'm not betting that. But shop around because these props get you weird lines uh, depending on where you look. Let's move on to rushing touchdown leader. Uh, I'm not really interested in anyone at the top here. We've got Carson eighteen to one, Rashad Penny forty one to one. Uh, then we've got Gurley ten to one. I'm interested in one though, David Johnson thirty two to one. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you can even get him at forty to one on on DraftKings. Um, my bigger concern is is the volume. Like, we expect the offense to be explosive, but is that going to result in a ton of you know like goal line carries for uh for DJ? I'm not sure, but again, he, he he's a mega long shot. Like, you can take a a tiny stab here, uh, and and it can still be plus EV. Like, is he going to get you know the Zeke? Saquon Barkley, you know, Todd Gurley from last year, Melvin Gordon type workload in the red zone and specifically inside the five, uh, five yard line. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but am I willing to find out at 40 to one? Yeah, I, I think that I am. Um, you know, again, and like we, we love DJ, but you kind of mentioned what his biggest strength is, is that he brings value in the receiving game. So that's the only reason I'm not like super all in on this bet. But I do think that 40 to 1, I mean, basically you can mark me down as having some interest in any prop involving any Arizona Cardinal. Yeah, I think, uh, I think actually, yeah, 40 to 1 is, is I don't, I, I don't want to say free money because he's, he's not likely to win, but he is much more likely than that would tell you. I think a great example last year was Pittsburgh was, I believe, first in pass to run ratio. They were without Le'Veon Bell and they had two of the best receivers in the league. They were passing at an all time high clip. They were still tied seventh for total rushing touchdowns by a team at 16. I think uh, basically when you are passing a ton, you are probably more likely to score because passing is better than yes. running. So if you are in the end zone more often, you are susceptible to these uh, weird James Conner two to three touchdown weeks. I think David Johnson has that same potential where would I bet him to lead the league in rushing yards or like total carries? No, but because I think this will be one of the most prolific offenses in the league, he is susceptible to very high touchdown variants. And when you look at the teams that rush for the most touchdowns, we've got one New Orleans, two the Rams, three Baltimore. It makes sense. They run the ball a ton. Four Denver. Uh, they had Philip Lindsay. Then you get to New England. You get to Carolina. It's these uh, Kansas City was tied seventh as well. Teams we think of as especially when you look at, the, for me, the Rams, Kansas City, uh, Pittsburgh, Teams, uh, Chargers is another good example, of teams that are either pass first or you think of teams uh, that I don't think of the Kansas City Chiefs as a team who were fueled by a rushing attack. Baltimore, sure. Kansas City, absolutely not. You think of them as the Patrick Mahomes show. They still finish seventh in rushing touchdowns because having a good passing attack means scoring more. Scoring more means more chances for your running backs to score. So for that reason, I love David Johnson at this value. All right. Final, final one. Final touchdown leader we have. 
receiving touchdown leader. Unless you, I'll ask you this: uh, Todd Gurley at ten to one. Any interest in that? No. Because I do think <laughs> I think it's interesting that you can get him at these odds. But I, I'm just I'm not buying into Todd Gurley. You know, this carries over to my takes in season long. I, I just don't think uh, I don't think they have any incentive to grind him into the ground like they used to. They've got an efficient or who I think will be a rather efficient back in Daryl Henderson, prolific player in college, uh, you know, two way player as well in terms of rushing and receiving. I just I don't see uh, I'd look maybe shop this line because I do think he still has that upside because basically every player has knee problems in the NFL. It's not just Todd Gurley, even though his might be worse. I would shop this line around, but at 10 to 1, I, I, I'm not taking that. And then I don't want any part of uh, Seattle's anything. I will not bet on any Seattle unless it's a negative bet for them. Let's move on. Receiving touchdown leader. This one, there's some pretty good odds here, meaning that none of these players are very heavy favorites. Tyler Lockett, who was incredibly efficient producing touchdowns last year, 34 to 1. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, 50 to 1. Brandon Cooks, 44 to 1. Then we've got some long shots. Christian Kirk, 150 to 1. Dante Pettis, 150 to one. How much we like the Cardinals offense. And then George Kittle coming back down to earth here at 50 to one. Any of those bets interest you? No, uh, not particularly. Uh, Again, Tyler Lockett, scratch scratch him off the board. Um, The Arizona thing is interesting. Like if you had to bet on who was going to lead the team in receiving touchdowns, would you pick Christian Kirk? I would. I absolutely would. Uh, I believe he did last year already. And when you look at Larry Fitzgerald, basically just becoming like this old geriatric man who can still catch balls, but I don't think there's any dynamic playmaking ability left in him, at least when you compare him to guys like Christian Kirk or other guys on this list that, uh, you know, I think Christian Kirk, I I would bet on him to lead basically in every statistic, maybe except for receptions uh, on this team. So, he is the only only thing I'm betting on the Cardinals receiving game for. Unless you can find like David Johnson receiving totals. I'd be fine with that. But uh, I, I'm not interested in any Larry Fitzgerald. And and given how much I like the Cardinals, I do think Christian Kirk at 150 to 1. Just like we're talking about, Kyler is basically a value no matter where you look to bet, uh, you know, uh, rushing or, well, I guess rushing yards too. But primarily uh, passing yards, passing touchdowns, uh, you know, the passing touchdown leader, all of that. If you think that is a plus EV bet, you either think that uh, Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald or somebody else maybe, but those are the two guys, are good bets. At I think they're both right around 150 to 1. I want to say Fitzgerald was like 100 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Kirk 150 to 1. Either you think they are an extremely distributed offense in terms of David Johnson catches a few touchdowns, Christian Kirk does. Uh, of course, Ricky Seals-Jones makes a great comeback. He gets like nine touchdowns. It's crazy. Uh, or you think it gets funneled to the top like a lot of teams do. And Christian Kirk, uh, for me, I think 150 to one, I'd rather just take some of the other bets. Like I'd rather bet on Kyler because I don't have to worry about like accounting for that touchdown variance because if they score a lot of touchdowns, I'm not sure that it goes to Kirk. I am sure that they can score a lot of touchdowns though. So I'll just bet Kyler, but uh, I think that's good value maybe, but I just think there's better value to be had. And I don't want to, that's a bit of too deep of a shot for me. I don't hate it, but, uh, just put your money in Kyler. Yeah, I'm I'm much more interested in the yardage side than the touchdown side for the Cardinals. And I do think that they're going to be a team that that spreads the ball out. I mean, we haven't even really talked about Andy Isabella yet um, or uh, Hakeem, Hakeem Butler, who I know some people love, some people hate. But, like, I think that there's definitely a scenario where the Cardinals have a very explosive passing offense and no one on the team has like a 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown type of season. So uh, I'm passing on Kirk even at this extreme number. Uh, the only guys that I think stand out to me a little bit are the two Rams guys that you can get at 50-1, to 1, 
Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup is like a known touchdown scorer. He had a really big uh, red zone target two years ago. I think that maybe he's the most likely candidate to lead the, the, the Rams in receiving touchdowns. So I might have some interest in him at 50-1. to 1, But overall, I think that this this division doesn't offer a ton in terms of the receivers. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's funny because you look at the uh, the offenses you predict, and if you want to buy into Seattle doing what they did last year, Russell Wilson uh, threw an incredible amount of touchdowns. It was like 35, I believe. Right, and he of did course, lead the league two years ago. Exactly. As crazy you, you as look that at, sounds. You look at uh, you look at Russell Wilson, a prolific touchdown thrower. People buy into Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, we are super high on the Cardinals, and uh, obviously the Rams are a top two offense in the NFL. It's just all their target shares are going to be, I, I think, fair to say, incredibly spread out. Especially when you look at uh, my two favorite offenses here with the Rams, and uh, even though I think Kirk might be uh, like might find a way to beat out Fitzgerald and Isabella significantly. You still have to factor in that they have David Johnson, the best receiving back in the NFL for my money. I just don't see – I'd rather take a slight downtick in scoring offense and take a major uptick in, uh, in let's say, uh, target, target share. Team. and yeah. yeah, market share of targets, uh, of red zone and end zone targets especially. So for me, that's uh, guys like Devontae Adams. Uh, eventually we'll get to Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think is, is a better bet for that. I just think this is a kind of a unique situation for all of these offenses. Yeah, the AFC seems to be the uh, the receiver capital right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, we can summarize today by saying bet all the Cardinals all the time. Uh, maybe not fade the Rams, but just ignore them because their lines are really efficient. And uh, screw Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> yeah, and I'll add by the 49ers. I know that that's something we disagreed on, so you would probably add sell the 49ers but um yeah i think that overall like we've we've now covered the entire nfc and i don't think either of us has gotten as excited as we did when we were talking about the cardinals so um that just tells you how all in we are on this team you know it's such a low bar for them to clear on their win total and as you mentioned this team has the potential to to change football and and you know maybe even make a run into the playoffs so uh yeah get your cardinals exposure right now and uh, enjoy later. Oh, yeah. One more thing. You said get the Cardinals exposure right now. You could not be more right because if you are going to wait until this show will probably drop on a, a Tuesday, let's say, the Cardinals will be playing preseason coming up. And you're going to get uh, the air raid offense introduced into backup uh, defenses. That's going to look so good, even if it's not that good in the actual NFL season, because they'll be playing real defenses. If they want to get Kyler more reps, he could see more more first team reps uh, compared to veteran quarterbacks. There's a good chance this team balls out in preseason and these numbers are wiped off the board. So get your money in now for this team. That's my closing thought. Love it. Uh, so those are our closing thoughts. If you want to make sure you check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio. Uh, you can also, of course, sign up, become a Rotoviz subscriber, your 10% discount, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. For myself on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here and Matt Lamarca at Matt Lamarca, L A M A R C A. That'll do it until next week. Thanks for tuning in.
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Factory.